0: Welcome to the 50th episode of the Not Done Podcast and the second episode of A Muslim Life. Uh, before we get into it today, I wanted to give you guys a little bit of a backstory to this podcast. This is a very special podcast. Uh, so this is like an intro before the intro. Uh, today we're going to introduce you to Brother Mansour Adaifi. Uh, I became aware of Brother Mansour while watching Democracy Now! back in September Brother Mansour is a survivor of Guantanamo Bay. Now, don't worry. He wasn't actually a 9-11 conspirator. Instead, it was a case of mistaken identity. And as a result, he unfortunately spent 14 years in Guantanamo Bay. I was so inspired by this interview with Amy Goodman on Democracy Now that I actually bought his book, Don't Forget Us Here, Lost and Found at Guantanamo. Feel free to pick that up uh, at your leisure. Um, and I reached out to him directly to see if he was open to doing an interview with us. To my surprise, he actually agreed to it. Some of the descriptions Mansoor mentions may be uh, a little hard to stomach. It is not gratuitous, but at times it's definitely um, very direct and sometimes harsh language is used. I purposely tried to censor Brother Mansour's words as little as possible, I thought it was important that we hear his story in his own words. Um, unlike most of our other podcasts, you may not want to listen to this one with very young children around. Um, listener discretion is advised.
1: Assalamu alaikum. alaykum. Uh, welcome to the 50- 50th. <laughs> you know what? I will record it and send it to you later.
0: Oh, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna use all this, brother. <laughs> no, we <laughs> use, we use our outtakes for, for comedy. So, I mean. Yeah. Okay, this is like a I can say, okay. In Alaikum.
1: Welcome to the 50th episode of the Not Dumb podcast and the second episode of Muslim Life. We introduce you to, uh, today to me, your brother Mansour Ahmad Saad, a daifi from Yemen, a smiley troublemaker, four for one. <laughs> brother,
0: can we can we get our podcast back, brother? Uh, I appreciate you, man. Uh, I appreciate you. Thank you, sir. All right. So as you've heard, uh, listening audience, you've listened to our, our brother, Brother Mansour, uh, who has introduced himself ever so graciously. Um, brother Mansour has had a very... Fairly normal and uneventful upbringing growing up in rural And I know you can't tell Uh, because he's he's starting trouble on our podcast, but you know, it's all good Um, his mother this was is me,
1: this is me brother. Smiley travel maker. I, I know smiling. this is
0: what you do I know I understand. <laughs> yeah, I understand Brother Mansour has had a fairly normal and uneventful upbringing growing up in rural Yemen. His mother was fierce yet loving. His dad was strong and wise. And then during a trip to Afghanistan in his late teens, he was kidnapped by Afghani warlords. And somehow, he ended up imprisoned in Guantanamo Bay for the subsequent 14 years. You see, this was in the early 2000s after a very heartbreaking and tragic event in American history. This was right after 9-11, and America was hunting those who they felt were responsible. According to Brother Mansour, the CIA was paying local Afghani warlords hefty, hefty sums of money to bring them people that could at least theoretically be linked to Al-Qaeda and Osama bin Laden. Very quickly, the warlords figured out that the higher the rank of the person they delivered, the bigger their payday. So they decided to claim this innocent teenager from Yemen was actually an Egyptian middle-aged Al-Qaeda general. The quite literally bought the story and paid the warlord a six-figure payment for Brother Mansour. As we go on this journey together, I want you to keep in mind three things. One, according to the ACLU and the Guantanamo reports by Seton Hall Law School Center for Policy Research, this method of hunting yielded a rate of innocence at 86%. That means 86% of the people that were abducted and detained had absolutely nothing to do with Al-Qaeda or Osama bin Laden or 9-11. And they were simply sold for bounty money. Number two, Guantanamo Bay is still open right now to this very day. Innocent people just like Brother Mansour are imprisoned there. Number three, Brother Mansour was innocent. He was never with Al-Qaeda. He had nothing to do with 9-11. And in fact, he was never even charged. He was an innocent teenager who was abducted by warlords on behalf of the United States and subsequently imprisoned and tortured for 14 years. He's able to speak with us today because he was finally released without charge in 2016. He now lives in Belgrade, Serbia.
2: الله
1: About my life, you know, like when you come to Arab countries, especially to Yemen, Yemen is the country of love, country of generosity, of hospitality, and I think the nicest people are Yemenis. I totally mean, long. all the people told me that all the way that like people are very nice people. I uh, like uh, I grew up in, in, I grew up in uh, a rural a- a area. Uh, my uh, uh, province called uh, called uh, called uh, Rima. It's like a tribal. We live in a tribal society where, as you know, like people live in this tribe society live by tribe codes, you know, integrity, uh, generosity, honor, courage and uh, those traits. So we actually came from, you know, mix from religion, from culture, from tradition, and so on. So uh, my father was is a respected man in his family. Also, my mother came from uh, my mother came from also uh, his father. Her father also was also uh, one of the richest uh, person in the, in the area. So of this marriage, I came out like any of you. <laughs> I, I was a baby crying, smiling. <laughs> So I grew up in the entire, you know, my like my my world was my little village and my my earth was you know my tribe. So you know from that I went to school like no more kid and I was one of the uh, intelligent students always because my father was always I'm not ask you to pass I'm ask you to be the first.
0: Oh, you got to so be So I always one. like <laughs> yes,
1: I mean like you have wow. to be top in class all the time. So. The one who actually raised me and like my sisters and brother was my mother which actually actually in our society the mother actually who uh raised the kids and this is implant them those trees of the tribe you know and so on because my father used to travel a lot to saudi arabia to work there like most yemenis and um so yeah uh alhamdulillah i was uh all the time in my, in my class and every time it was like a, comp- a competition between me and my sisters because we always compete. Yeah. I like my elder sister, my younger sister, and who's going to to be the, the first always because we get reward. We like make our father proud, my mother also. And uh, if you sometime like one of us get like in the second, the third, my mom will, will, will be upset. And like it's like heartbreaking to see my mother upset because I, I don't want to upset my mother. That's all of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like secondary. When I finished secondary school, there was no high school in my area, so I had to go to, to live with my aunt in Sana'a city, so I can study my high school. When I moved to the city, wow, this is like a different world. Like a lot of cars, lights, buildings, people. You know those uh, all kind of like what this this is a new world. Like really tall building and so on everything was new like assessing the electricity because where we live we have electricity we have no running water it's wow. like really tribal uh society so in santa there is electricity yeah you can just one one button you can turn on of the, the electricity the sink, you have you can have water wow this is something <laughs> different for the first time yeah yeah yeah. Wow. so i started like i'm very curious so i used to like walk all day in the city asking people people <laughs> i remember like we have like one of the uh, the tallest building in yemen at that time was like 24 uh, 25 floors i went there i went inside and like i wanted to know what, 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 what's inside ask me what, what what do you have here what do you work and they called the police the police came to me like <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah what are you doing i said like i just i want to know yeah and the, the man in the police was nice like where are you come from i said like oh, okay then he started explaining to me, Mansoor, you cannot use these places like this. I said, why not? Yeah. I mean, like, because I'm not, I'm not making any problems. He said, no, I win because people from those uh, real areas, it's like so honest and, and innocent and pure. I <laughs> mean, like, you just, you know, you're just curious. You're like, you're like curious. I want to know. Yeah. yeah. So, and he starts explaining to me, Mansoor, this is people here different. You have to be careful. And he was telling my, my cousin, he said, we cannot control him. <laughs> 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 it's like it's running everywhere. Wow. I was going to the like everywhere, like to the shops, to restaurants, to, you know, whatever I can, kind of like, it's just, I was like, end up like wake up in the morning and you're just walking around, sometimes get lost and so on. Then I started uh, studying in my school. I finished my high school at that time. I grew up, I learned a lot about the city. And also I, I used to study, I used to also study uh, uh, beside my high school, I used to study in Islamic Institute. And I met a lot of students from around the world. With that time, I started also helping in the institute part-time work, like in those uh, foreign student affairs, helping with their visas, passports, and and so on. So in three years, I learned a lot, and I was close to the head of the institute. In the 19, by the end of the 1999 and 2000, there was some attacks of Al-Qaeda in, uh, in Yemen, especially US school, and there was like in some also other countries. So the head of the institute you wanted know, to write a book about Al-Qaeda. I finished my high school at that time. I, I cannot, I couldn't see, I wanted to study uh, computer science. So it was like, because, you know, at that time, like I was only reading about computers in magazines and that we had like, at that time we had like call, uh, the university of, uh, science and technology, but it was a private. So they don't actually teach computer science in the state colleges, and to study in this college it's really expensive. I cannot afford uh, afford to study there. So I knew the head of the institute. He gives some time and refer uh, referring letters to some of the Gulf countries where people can study there and live and work there. So I told him I need to study. You know, in that field I, I can get a referral letter to one of the Gulf countries. He said yes, no problem. Just give me some time. Then. One day when he called me, he said, uh, I need you to help me with something. There's like a guy who would do research about, uh, go to Afghanistan to do research about Al-Qaeda and uh, Taliban, Islamic groups and, and so on. Because I, we all know when, in, in order to write a book, you need a lot of facts. You need, you need someone who can bring you a lot of, because he, he told us literally, I want you to be my ears and my eyes there because need a lot of materials. At that time, there was no access to, in Yemen, I said, we not have access to internet or Wikipedia or, or whatever like." Well, we didn't know what the, what does it what does. What, what the what that mean i mean like you can have internet but it's for private people and, yeah. and so on so i said okay and he told me i would get back i will help you for the referring letter and a ticket and you can go and study i was i mean this is one of the biggest moments in my life because most yemenis are travel around the world to find job to study and so on because in our countries in madrid is especially in yemen and countries like we suffer of corruption and uh, intentional and organized corruption and uh, also uh, poverty and education. And even, even education, the problem, even education, in our country is being uh, privatized and being controlled. I mean, you cannot study, you know the one who can study the rich uh, families the rich kids mm. so for so much most, most, like maybe you can see 80 percent of the Yemenis they travel they uh, travel abroad to study to work to and so on we went to Afghanistan like uh, uh, I think we arrived in June in July and we start to do our activities and so on so actually yeah this is my life in Yemen just I finished my high school I my work in uh, in islamic in, in, the, in the institute led me to to go to afghanistan just as a mission of a researcher assistant also bef- at that time i worked around one year in security company because the owner of the security company who uh, know my family and you know in order to work in the security company you need some people to who, who can you can trust yeah i work in german embassy in dutch embassy for some time but even the payment was really low I mean, it's not like if it was under 100 it's not it's not much so i had i had to quit i, I didn't have m- much influence of the tv or now of the social media which actually crippled the new generation or the TikTok, where people like miss their personality and so on yeah at that time you know i used to read a lot my mother was actually controlling our behavior our education was in the we have really uh, good ed- education uh, curriculum in the in the in the institute we study in, uh, in Yemen, like uh, in the school. So compare now the education system where we studied at that time, and now you know now the education system in my country which actually the education system. is the most important, one of the most important, you know, uh, uh, department in every country because the education system that what forge. The generation that would make the future yeah if you if you, there is you no know, if there is no good, good education there will be really bad future and bad duration that would happen there now when i compare myself you know i can't talk to uh, students who graduate from universities now no. they don't know how to read arabic properly they don't know how to spell words really and like in my fourth grade it's hardly you can find any mistake in my spelling really yes oh. so now, when I talk to the students who graduate from universities from the from Yemen, I'm like, I'm I'm really shocked. In that I'm talking Arabic language. I mean, if you don't speak your own language, you know, perfectly, it's hard for, for you to learn anything because the language, the vocabularies, the words, that's what store the knowledge, the experience, the life, learn, the, everything. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So like for me, Alhamdulillah, I got good education also. And I also studied in, uh, in the Islamic Institute. Also, I studied in Arabic and history, it, like I used to read a lot. And now when I also start inter- uh, meeting with the students from different parts of the world, I was like, okay, I want to travel. I want to know more, more about the world. I was like little by little talking to people from United States, from England, from Ireland, from, you know, different parts of the world. You know, we didn't have screens. We didn't have like Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. You know, I, I, I'm not against social media, but I'm, I'm against uh, the non-supervised and disorganized social media. Mm. You know, it's important now. Those kids should know about internet, should know about social media, should know, because it's part of their life. But, you know, what I see now that if the mother or father want to keep their kids silence, is just throw them phone and let them, let them get lost. Yeah. So it, it hurts because they hurt they that hurt the kids. It hurt the kid, you know. Yeah. But like until the kids, it's like they're sixteen, 17, They should be closely monitored. They should be closely uh, brought up. They should be clo- closely guided and directed to their life. This is where our fun there. But also at the same time, when I was when I used to live with my with my uh, parents, I used to work a lot in the farms. Uh, with the herding the cattle, uh, helping my mother helping my sisters you know the, the environment the life there forged a man of me at early age because i helped my my mother at homework we work also i used to study in the morning i come back with work in the field in the farm herd the cattle. how old were you when you were water. doing this you know, I was, you know, this is, was like, uh, we we're like uh, eight, uh, wow. 10, 12, wow. started, I started at the early age. It's part of our life, you know, because when you live in this, uh, uh rural, uh, rural areas, when there is no kind of electricity or, uh, running water or the, you know, the, the, you know, the basic surfaces for the community, it wasn't there. Yeah. So for example, when I used to, I, I need to try, I need to every day to bring, go to, to bring, to, uh, bring water to, for drink at least. Uh, five kilometer back and forth. When I used to go to school uh, really, wow. this is when I go when I go to the school. Yeah. At least twelve kilometer back and forth. Let's
0: talk about the transition. Let's talk about uh,
1: how you were abducted. You know, like when you arrived in Afghanistan, <laughs> it was a different world. Like I never expected that country to be that way. Hmm. i read like before i before i went to afghanistan i read some kind like i tried to find some many books or magazines i read a little about the 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 soviet uh, invasion the war and uh, we tried to find any kind of materials that would like give us some guidance we talked to some people who are there i, I went to one of the brothers when there uh, to uh, do some kind of research for the head of islamic institute who wanted to write a book about uh, ideology taliban you know the new groups and so on because that world in order to write a book about that you need to have a lot of fact and checking and research and so on and he cannot do it. he cannot travel himself he cannot do it so we, i started reading about afghanistan about the soviet invasion about the war about the uh, the civil war we tried to find tried to collect in, in, but as much material in yemen as, as as we could but we couldn't find a lot so then we started. Oh, when one of the brothers also told us that there is a charity organization in Afghanistan, Saudi charity organization, and they said they will be your contact point. You can stay with them. You can stay there. From there, they will help you what to go, what to come. It's okay. I mean, this is my first time to leave Yemen. Well, I was also excited, you know. Mm. So we get we get like a permission from the Yemeni government because at that time going to Afghanistan was was like uh, suspicion uh, if someone go there mm. because. Uh, the... So we got uh, permission from uh, Yemen government we traveled and arrived in Afghanistan it was like arriving 1000 behind the world you know even Yemen it's not that it's not a developed country but in Afghanistan the only thing you see like connect you to modern life cars you know buildings or people uh, homes streets it's really like uh, you know those like 1000 years back and you can see the scar everywhere i mean the war the the uh, those uh, tanks uh, cars like what left from the soviet uh, invasion wow and also like you can see the buildings the 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 the, the buildings the damaged buildings the bullets and everywhere I mean, it's, it's, it was a mess and people told us, you know, that wasn't the especially the, the damage in the building and so on that they thought that wasn't created by the Soviet uh, invasion there by the civil war between the world lords. Oh. When you talk about the world lords, you know, during the Soviet invasion, you know, as a tribal uh, country, Afghanistan, each uh, tribes or each nationality, they have their own, uh, you know, uh, leader or lord. And those also were funded by different countries like United States or uh, French and other countries and Pakistan, and Saudi Arabia, each one of the world, lords. they have their own way. Uh, they got funded and so on. So when the Soviet Union uh, uh, was defeated, now the war turned between who will be in control. It turned between the Afghanis themselves and, you know, the people who be who uh, actually were front you and the, the war took took years and years so the taliban how they emerged the taliban after the corruption and uh, the war the fear taliban came and took and took uh, and defeated the, all the world world and took over you know when the first time i heard that button i mean i was in the restaurant i think we were eating breakfast or yes and we heard there's like there is uh, airplanes flew into a building but we honestly, we didn't pay much attu- att- attention to it you, because imagine you're, yes, you just heard the news that airplanes from to a building, there's no newspaper, no TVs, <laughs> nothing. And wow. Yeah, like you have nothing to do with that. I'm mean, like, never trust my mind. Why am I should bother about this? Really? And when you told me like there is 110 floors, okay, I, I, can I believe you at that time? <laughs> I don't know. They said buildings and so on, but we wow. continue on. Yeah. Then the, the 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 head of the charity organization uh, told the the employee uh, the employees. He said, "Okay, they get uh, instruction from Saudi Arabia. They should liquid everything, and you know distribute all the stuff they have and close everything. And they, they should they should leave Afghanistan." And they told and they told us, "You should leave too." us. "Okay." My friend who was also in the charity organization. He said, "Mansour, we are going to uh, liquid everything. We are going to take this load of medicine, blankets." You know, uh, logistics to one of the hospitals in Kunduz. And after that, we are uh, uh, to Pakistan. He asked me to come with him. I said, okay, I have no problem because we are leaving anyway. This is our last trip. Wow. Uh, We went to Kunduz to deliver the stock because at that time, like, uh, we had like a Toyota car between Kunduz. Between, yeah, before we arrived to Kunduz, we were ambushed one of the world lords. When they said, like, we have, like, really nice, uh, beautiful blue car, Toyota, new, like. Mm.
2: Like a truck <laughs> or went, a car?
1: Like uh, Pick up truck? It's, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, Land Cruiser, yeah. Okay. And they weren't interested in the car, More, they weren't interested in us. They were more interested in the car. We were ambushed and taken to one of the lord. I fought with them a little and I got beaten because, as you know, like I didn't give easy because it's, this is so wrong. Yeah. I was taken to. We were taken to. My friend told me, so please don't do nothing." That usually happened. They will. They will make some calls, and the everything will be solved. I said, "Okay." We were taken to the um, uh, to the world lord as guests. we were kept there in his home, and so on. And uh, we were waiting there. The world lord will initiate with my friend, ransom. They will take us to Iran, and the head of the region, they will pay him. I don't, I don't know, like one hundred or thousand dollar, and so on. They take us. Then I was surprised to see the Americans <laughs> the first time. Yeah. And uh, uh, in that car, I used to wear a white turbine because I went, like to blend like Afghanis. I didn't know at that time that only Taliban commanders and leaders wear oh, the white turbine. Wow. So <laughs> also we had a radio. It's normal to have a radio in your car because no cell phones, no, nothing. Yeah. People had to communicate. And they said, this is Mullah. This is a commander. Arabic, I said, yeah. So I, I used to also pray as imam. Wow. <laughs> I also wow. used to teach. The, I used, to, I used to also to teach the world lord kids, you know, teach them Quran and math and, and so on. Yeah. Oh, uh, they start calling me. <laughs> they start call me Alim and Sheikh.
2: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> How old were you?
1: He's 19. And, oh, sorry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, you know, it's like it's normal life because when you see kids, you play with them. You The kids loved me. So when you arrived I, at that time, I didn't know that American, the, the American airplane were, throw, uh, were uh, thrown uh, f- uh, flyers offering a large bounty of money. If anyone who's who, you know, uh, handed Arabs or foreigners. So I would like to stand you one thing, because not everyone who was in Afghanistan, or Taliban, honestly, you know, there is a lot. Of, there is a lot of Arabs who, you know, live there, like from Syria, from Tunisia, from Nigeria. Who has no connection to any whatsoever? Even some of them, when when the American came, and they were still in Kabul, and they were taken. It just uh, Al Qaeda wasn't a big deal in Afghanistan at that time. You know, there was especially you have like the, for example, you have the Uyghurs. The Uyghurs fled from China, and left They lived in Afghanistan, and they were t- brought to Guantanamo. Twenty six of them. Hmm. Imagine, you yeah. know, yeah. And uh, so, when American came. Uh, the world lord told him we had one of the Qaeda, uh, Qaeda general, commander, and they told him they found what been in the car, blah blah blah. Like I have no ideas. Okay, when they came, my friend told me, oh, American came. They knew we have nothing to do nothing. They they will help us to get home. I mean, this is this is our belief, honestly. <laughs> why? Why? Like
0: how? Like I just don't understand how it got that far because you're a kid. You look like a kid, even if you, like, if I see an eighteen year old guy, that, that he's obviously not forty. <laughs> or fifty or something. So I just don't understand why they. I mean, I I get the racism part because Americans are racist. Yeah.
1: You know, when when when, anyway. when 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 I went with the the Americans the first time, because yeah. when I get when they came to take me, they just I was like shocked because hood hooded and they stripped naked and like when they came, the first time I opened my 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 my, my eye, the when they took the hood of my head there were like five or six, five to seven people as a row in front of there. And their uh, rifles were with laser pointed to my chest, to my head. And there was uh, an interrogator. All of them were in military uniform. And there was like a huge dog with a huge uh, chain, And uh, there was like also the the interpreter who, who who an American, who doesn't know how to speak even Arabic. And like, I was beating, like, what like what's going on? Like, why are you doing this? I was like, like, <laughs> shut up, shut up, I'm, like, okay. And they start, we knew who you are, we know what you did. You were you weren't you were, you were Nairubid you were recruiting, you money laundering. <laughs> I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, like, then they exhibit that you are well trained and so on. Like, as I told you when they came to it was a big mess, and they didn't know what they were looking for. They have a list of 25 people. So Most of the people who were there also, they had no names, no information, no profile, nothing. That was the uh, Guantanamo idea. Came they wanted to bring people to Guantanamo. They said we are going to bring those people to Guantanamo, and to uh, to let our interrogators to sort it out. So basically, I spent two months in the black side, like one of the worst time in my life. I could hear people screaming, crying. People died there because sometimes we people streaming and some just they just dragged them out. We can hear that they dragged them out of their cells. Yeah, they were asking for Qaeda or Islam where is Mullah Muhammad Umar, where the new attack, the sleeper cells, the money, the you know, the uranium, and all, all kind of shit. So you cannot, like, okay, admit to everything they asked me, but the problem was to give them the details. I don't have the details because I don't have in the first place we know you are trained for counter town counter interrogation you will train you' will train people so that's been like almost like over two months like that then i was taken to underhar detention and again you know the journey was they brought like they give me 13 names so by then i like i told them just if you contact my government and uh, you can ask them about me they will your you we know who you are. When you have like you speak multiple languages. When you have like different passports. When you have like uh, plastic surgeries and so on. <laughs> really, just yes, yes, like wow. I was yeah. I plastic mean, plastic
0: surgery. Okay.
1: Yeah, because what they told that, that those command those world lords told them this is really one of the tab of Al Qaeda. He has this nice car. They have radios. They, imagine you are know, like CIA, and someone told you, this is his car. This is their uh, this is their uh, equipment. and and they, I have like a camera, I have a recorder. I had a, I had a recorder, I had a camera. I had like my book notes. I have some kind of like names, I have maps because I'm in Afghanistan. Yeah. And of course, I have a lot of names because I need to interview these people. We had plans with my friend to interview them, to talk to them. And I had a lot of written stuff, I have a lot of materials. That's what we do there. And I explained to them. I said, you can contact these people and so on, but they wouldn't listen. The problem is, like, they had their own... It's, it's really hard also to, to communicate with them. Yeah. After that, I was taken to Kandahar detention, then shipped to Guantanamo. I mean, if you talk about that, that journey, it is one of the hardest journeys ever in my life. I was treated as, you know, a high-top person and treated that way. Like, even when they when they shipped me from uh, Guantanamo from uh, Kandahar detention to uh, Guantanamo, they bought a sign. Uh, they used to us. What sign around neck? Beat me or fuck me. Like, Whoa, are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm serious. Like so some of us, some individuals, they're like in the sign. Like they, they, they have our numbers on the on our back. But also, especially me and others, we have like uh, a sign around our neck, like uh, written, beat me or fuck me. And we get a lot of beating. So every twenty. 15 20 minutes you get beating kicking hitting slabbing dragging sitting guys soldiers sometimes peeing on us it's just so so much yeah because what what's the idea the idea they need to to give you awake all the way until you arrive guantanamo they won't show that you arrive just broken and when they took you to the you will go straight to the interrogation that you repeat everything in your file so this is the idea so it was like it was a journey of hell so basically yeah yes we 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 spent like on the air around like 40 hours then we arrived to guantanamo they had two what they call process station one in kandahar the other one in guantanamo so before they ship you to 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 uh ship us to uh should i talk about kandahar detention yeah go for it mm-hmm. I mean, the Kandahar detention was, you know, like tents surrounded with uh, barbed wires, layers over layers over layers. And there was a lot of flights, helicopters in night never stops. Guards yelling, shouting, beating soldiers and um, soldiers, not guards. Soldiers with rifles, guns, they can do to whatever they want. Mm. So when I arrived, they told me uh, they took, brought me to, to a tent like screaming shouting beating like it was dragged sign sign what like you know honestly i wasn't afraid or scared because (laughs) i there's no reason to be afraid and uh, the where i raised like in in the mountain yeah man my mother is sometimes used to send me out in the dark just to train me not to be afraid alone not too afraid scared like she would uh, send my brother and sister like to test me so yeah and actually but what they have <laughs> yeah. Wow. yeah yeah they train you to be because you know when you live in this it's kinda like uh, because in the village or in the tribe someone has to always take care of the family even you are a kid you yeah. you have to be a man that where is to be like a face of the family a face of the tribe you know the way you talk the way you behave the way you stand the way when you shake hands when you look at the people the way the word what you say so it was really uh, tough like because if people said, don't you ever behave like a girl or like you have to show people that you are a man, that you like uh, fierce, <laughs> that you are smart and so on. So, yeah. yeah. And my mother always, especially when they like when you have like gathering or guests, you have to behave certain way. The way you shake hands, look in the people's eyes, yeah. you know, serve the people, you know, behave like really behave like a man. You know, when, when I look at it back, they actually that's what you they what they told you by teaching teaching that what you be in the future about kandahar yeah like about kandahar they took me to a tent and they told me sign this paper that if you try to escape and we have a right to shoot you and kill you i said no i would never sign that
0: after all of that they're beating the hell yeah. out of you punching you yeah that's like you
1: yes yes it's like one of it's the not funny but
0: like, like, it's literally it's just, sign it's your not, life it's away. it's not
1: funny but i like i'm not going to sign of course yeah. sign but like, they were like sign sign i said i'm not signing like i said of course i will try to escape i'll try to to flee but i'm like, not gonna sign my death and it's they saying. they they spent almost like half hour beating like i said i'm not signing. Then the, one of the soldiers, I think the Marine soldier, he took my hand, like, Ch-ch-ch. I said, that doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And, uh, yeah. And uh, then they, uh, then the day they came they came to take, uh, like, at Kandahar. when we see small uh, airplanes arrive, we knew that they were brought new people. They would will, they will bring be- new people to detention. But when the, we call it the beast, the, the uh, Air Force cargo, the really big uh, airplane, mm. really big one. So when it arrived, we called it the beast and we knew that some people was going to leave and we didn't know to where or what's going to happen to them. So uh, there is like special team. The day they came, they called my name. Detail 441, terrorist 441. You know, I, I I walk toward them. On your knee, on your stomach. I just, you know, I what do you say? I understand, but sometimes I just I don't want to listen to them because they are because I, I take it. It was so humiliating, humiliating. So sometimes I said no, I I wouldn't do it. It's like because the pain of humiliation is worse than the beating. Like honestly, because especially for me, like in the tribal uh, men, or we're really proud people. So hmm. sometimes like don't not humiliate us, you know So <laughs> I would take the beating, but I, I cannot take the the, the, the humiliation. Yeah. So they came out, they bent me down, they threw me to the floor, dogs over me she, you know, you know they do all like this stuff, uh, beating you, dragging you. I was taken to a tent, really like there is three or four other brothers in their large tent and they started cutting our clothes with scissors. They didn't care if you get injured or something, they didn't care. So it was like tied to the pole naked like that. And they start shaving our bodies and uh, like shaving everything in your bodies and laughing and sometimes picking our uh, private parts, making fun of us. And it was so, SubhanAllah, humiliating. Wow. You know, stop yeah. Stop uh, so I So uh, one, oh one of the brothers, he was also one of the one of the youngest brothers. They weren't doing the same to him. He was crying. I spit on the, on the ground, like stop doing this. Uh, because it was Was this was
0: this the young young kid the teenager yeah 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 13 14.
1: yes i mean yeah he was with us from the beginning so when i saw him doing this i tried you know it was wrong and those soldiers was like really i mean i can say humans just really savages and so because they also like treat us like a terrorist like killers i mean when you look at it if you deal with the terrorists and killers and vicious killers you will never have me. you i would never negotiate with you. i would never talk to you yeah but the problem is we were confused and what's going on here
0: you're still you're with? still in that zone of confusion you don't know what's happening
1: yeah. it's like it, it, why why this you is just happening? know everybody's you know? angry yes yeah. yes like yeah. we tried to figure out at the same time what should how we should deal with the americans how how we should deal with them like what in that, that, that time like we didn't have nuclear vision like what they want from us, how we should would, would deal with them. And also, like, you can see the intense hate, garage beating. And even the ICRC was there watching everything. But they said, oh, I like, can do just report that. Hmm. Then uh, when they finished with us, like, uh, the uh, process tent they put me, they rubbed me on the orange uh, suit. And, like, everything was orange. The shoes, the sacks, the uh, hood, the everything was orange and orange and orange. Then uh, we spent a long time waiting in the cold. I tried to stand to pray because, as a Muslim, I need to pray. at prayer time. First, I stand like I need to make Adam. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) They came, they beat me so hard and they ducked, ducked, uh, tape ducked my mouth. Wow. So they wouldn't even let you pray? No, you cannot stand, Hmm. you know. Yeah, they, they didn't care if he prayed or not. Like at that time, they you know they they got transformed the worst of the worst terrorists to Guantanamo or that place. So I was uh, tied to the stretch to the uh, stretches stretch yeah and tied like this. It was freeze of cold. Then I was dragged to to the. Uh, I, I prayed anyway, like in that situation, because yeah, this is what I can. Do. In your head, yeah. So I was dragged to, to the airplane, and from then start the beating. We were uh, uh, we were shackled and chained to the floor. There is just in the floor, you know. And there was a lot, uh, you know, like there was. um, We were hooded, you know. There's goggles uh, over our ears, earmuffs. It was like really painful because it was really tight. And we, the way they put us on the floor, it's also painful because the you said there is nothing he can. what you're back on hmm. or you're not allowed even to it, it just they want you to stay still in some position that you feel the pain oh the stress
0: it's, positions yeah yes
1: all the way like that so I, one of the my brothers i feel them like he slept on me from the side from the left oh it's like i was crying with pain but it was a little alhamdulillah to feel that you listen someone pain i said okay you know helping them yeah <laughs> <I'm doing it. laughs> i get beating all the time like Go, Why were you moving? I said they were kicking my ass all the way.
0: <laughs> oh, and they're sleeping on you. While while <laughs> yeah, like the brothers wow.
1: w- w- when we arrived, one of the brothers told me when he arrived at one said, Walla alhamdulillah, I slept on another brother because it was it was hard to stay in your be in, in your yeah in your by yourself. So they learned in me. Yeah, they told me, uh, yeah, we I slept one of the brothers. Like, this is my brother i'm glad that you have rest, rested but we were moving a lot they said yeah they were beating me all the way
0: <laughs> yeah that was the vibrations so, you were feeling yeah yeah,
1: yeah like oh, it's dear. like you were more i would try to sleep i was waking up i said yes but alhamdulillah even even, even in, in on the uh, on the air uh, on the um, airplane this is what i told you when you bring your kids in a way that the way you bring your kids it becomes their way of life so yeah. In the airplane, we never stop praying, and in in, we try to estimate the time of praying. And when the time it comes, we would kick each other with like with the elbow. It means pray time. Time for prayer. Yeah. So if like uh, the first time we would kick three times, the second time we would kick more. It's like you give like the hands, this you have to pray.
2: Yeah.
1: And this is the way we keep praying, and uh, the way it uh, the way it is. Alhamdulillah, and uh, everyone praying. What are <laughs> on the way on the airplane. We heard someone scream really loud. Like, what's going on there? I mean, like, someone, brothers, brothers, please go, uh, say your shahada. They are going to throw us from the airplane. Oh, (laughs) no, this is the end. They were going to yeah, really, really like with we thought this is the end. Yeah, we all we all shadow Allah Shah Muhammad Rasulullah. Yeah, it's not quite I, we're all laughing <laughs> it's, here, it's, but it's slept. Only... It, well, yeah. no no, we were laughing about it at what and I'm like yeah. well all the brothers imagine like all of us heard that really not just screaming, really scary and someone who is going to die. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. brother brothers say your shahada they're going to throw us from the airplane the gate is open oh my god oh allah like i'm not ready oh allah i'm not ready oh allah i'm not ready i'm not ready i'm not ready like at that time i just spent my life you know i i i wish i have done more i wish i have like my good relationship with my family with my friends For like or, with that time when you see this is your last moments in this life yeah because this life brothers and sisters is just a temporary world honestly imagine if you zoom out if you go to the to the take your chair and sit on the moon and look at earth what can you see you will see rock and water that's it it. this is our this this earth silly rock and water yeah these two gates arrival and departure gate the time you born you are this is the arrival gate, and the time you work from the arrival gate to the departure gate, this is your life. You will live, each of us will live, no matter what. us. matter, you will given task in this life
2: mm.
1: between this gate and that gate, you have a task to do, and we go back, inshallah, to where well, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promised us to go back. So, at that point, when someone was screaming, uh, you know any in, in, in a sprint of the second i guess through all went through all, all my life i'm not ready i'm not ready i was afraid this is why i felt really scared and really afraid this one like really i test fear it's Fear means because the moment you realize your life is over and what have you done what have cheat what have you achieved and what's going to happen next hmm. so I was living at that moment, but Alhamdulillah, it happened, didn't happen. When we talked to the brother at Guantanamo, like, brothers, who was screaming? One of us, like, oh, please, brothers, forgive me. He said I, he wanted to use the toilet. He was really in pain. <laughs> and they took him. I think they brought a pocket for him, a, 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 a pocket, and uh, they brought really a uh, fan, loud fan. And he thought, because he was hooded oh, and goggled okay. and, yeah. and so on, what he felt. He heard the noise of the fan. <laughs> <laughs> he thought he was, the, 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 he, thought he, was uh,
0: he thought he was about to die from the of the and, plane. And he thought because
1: he him, he saw this time to throw to throw him away from the airplane. He saw like I thought they opened the gate. Wow. And they're gonna I feel the air and they're going to throw me out. Oh my goodness. That is hilarious. like <laughs> I mean, because imagine when someone just close your eyes, close your ears, you cannot breathe, you cannot talk, you cannot do nothing, you can't understand, nobody even talking to you yeah you are being you're been kept in dark for for the next 40 hours you hmm. didn't know what's going to happen to you you don't you have no idea where you're going or what's going to happen to you or what to expect so anything you anything happen of course you will jump to any conclusion the and the brother he said what uh, he said i have seen many brothers uh died and what happened to us there they are going to kill us eh, nobody told even the icrc the the international uh, committee of the red cross they never told they never tell us where uh, where we were going or was go- going to happen to us yeah you know yeah and it's it, 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 it's their job At least they should tell us you know we're going to move to another place or to another prison but even that everything's secret so i mean this was the moment so and then in the in the journey i mean i don't know how many time i got kicked and it just and also soldiers always come to pose to take photos to kick you especially you are like this is this is the top this is the commander this is the leader everyone wants to take photo with you everyone
0: so let's uh let's take a let's take a transition here i'd like to so i listened to the audiobook twice and the thing that struck me the most there's two things one a lot of torture like the the fans they had leaving on um just the the, just the mental stuff where they have you coming into um, they, they bring you into these different rooms they turn the the, the, the AC all the way up and you're, you're in there with just like a sheet on or something or a, a nothing and then the second part is just the brotherhood um, I forget the brother's name off the top of my head but there was a brother who I was really rooting for I think I told you about it I can't remember his name uh, it starts with a W Um uh, what, what the yeah like he
1: was like a real man's man right uh, like a strong guy so like when we arrived at Guantanamo it was also like uh, I, again we were uh, the one who received us was the marines marines you know like i someone was screaming then like someone was like in the in the arabic uh, language you are now in the hand of the american marines put your head down down like it's like as safilin you know it was when someone told you this in your own language it was so offensive so I always kept my head like this because Rasak it's like it's so humiliated Subhanallah. so so so. also the Marians they have when they beat us they like they struck our heads from the front and from the uh, from the front from the back at the same time really hard like you can feel that like it's like they shock inside your head. It's like like this. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really hard. And also that the, they kept on the ferry for like around twenty to thirty minutes. When you arrived at Guantanamo, again we were taken to the price station. Again search you know uh, uh, genital search in worst way <sighs> and when they took us that they I felt when they t- stripped me naked. They were cut scissors cutting my cloth, and uh, my head still uh, still covered with the hoods, with the with the oh, goggles and earmuffs. So <laughs> I felt water on my water in my body. They threw me to the floor while like chained and and shackles, and there was like brooms, really brooms for cleaning, were like for my for my body.
0: Oh wow! Oh, like scrubbing the clean. Like, yeah.
1: Yeah, like yeah, like uh, uh, soap, a lot of soap, a lot of those brooms, and it's uh, like <laughs> it was because you are so tired, so hungry, so thirsty, and that happened. Then they they, they drag us, they like take finger uh, prints, and I was dragged to the to the cage naked. They threw me to the cage, like they sit on me, remove my shackles, don't move, don't 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 don't. Like they hit my head on the on the on the ground, then they threw the the orange uh, jumpsuit. Uh, like start like wake up like. When they took the hood, I just the first thing I saw it was night. I look around me. It was all I can see because for the last forty years, I cannot see. I cannot. I cannot see clearly, and my eyes has to take time to adjust to the light to the situation. It takes takes time. All I can see. Those cages, mesh fans, uh, orange mesh fans, and uh, people in orange jumpsuit—you know, figures, not people even. Just I can't see figures. I cannot distinguish what heads or wherever. So a lot of screaming, a lot of shouting, yelling, and don't talk, don't move, don't don't look at me, don't don't don't—really loud. Like, am I in hell? Am I dead? Because everything happened so fast and you have been for the last 40 over 40 hours just you know i wish if the airplane could fit in the ocean because it's a lot of pain more than you can even imagine or 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 uh, tolerate when i arrived there the first thing you hear and the first thing you you you, you can see those like it happened too fast and it was really hard for the mind to track or keep processing what was going on here. Like, because you had no idea what to expect, what's going to happen to you, and these things happen. Like, what's that? What's going to happen? Why is that? Why that why why is that happening even? So basically, yes. And uh it took us some time after that to, you know, we started like if we're going to go long time talk about it. Anyway. When you arrived at Guantanamo on the second day, I start looking at the people around me. All of us were shaked, bold, shaked. All of us were really you can see the the, the pros the pros over and the blue eyes, swollen faces, you know, slip uh, spilled uh, you know. So everyone's been beaten. Beaten like you can yeah. see the, the the lips split and you can see like miserable, miserable, really. So so like everyone have like as everyone, as as like each one got a train crashing his face. Hmm. So people who arrived at Guantanamo, it was like around 50 nationalities, over 20 languages spoken. And the youngest detainee, as we say, as we said, uh, was only three months old or a few months old. The oldest was 105 years old. Now, imagine those men who arrived at Guantanamo, they weren't all like in Afghanistan, they weren't all fighters on the battlefield holding guns. They were brought from Afghanistan, Pakistan, Iran, Bosnia, uh, United Arab Emirates, uh, Africa, Mauritania, Jordan, and many different parts of the world. Fifty nationalities. Wow. They were, You know, the CIA was just paying money and yeah. bringing people from different parts of the world. So when we arrived at Guantanamo, we have nothing. We had nothing nothing absolutely even our asses were searched in a worse way so what do we have now what do you have what you brought with you the package that your mother your father your school taught you Mm -hmm. those things those treats what one, one thing like the package we brought with us because you have 50 nationalities different mindset different background different from different cultures we all were muslims all muslims everybody's muslim everybody is Muslim. no christians or, or anything yeah. wow. no 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 so we thought they're going to bring all Muslims there like we felt it honestly it was like this were muslims because the way we were treated the, our holy book were thrown to the shit pocket in kandahar they were they kick it the way they like you know you take it now personal yeah because why are you doing this yeah so also some of the soldiers were showing some like uh, those uh, slogans, Christianity, corsets, were simples, and so on. Some of the soldiers took it as a corset war. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. We see it when we heard it. So when you arrived at Guantanamo, you know, we have nothing and you are not allowed to talk. You're not allowed to stand. You're not allowed to speak. You have you're totally disconnected from the world, from your life, from your, your family, from yourself. The point is they want to drive you to the breaking point point that you can give them the information whatsoever. So when you arrived at Guantanamo, we had only the package we brought with us. What I mean the package, that would make us a person as a person. That's what I said is important to to have a strong foundation for the kids, for the children we are responsible for for in this world. For example, what make you as a person as a person? what What make each of us unique? as a person is our names that were taken off us from Guantanamo our names our language our values our faith our religion our morals our uh, ethics our knowledge emotion experience relationship life this is what makes you as a person as a person imagine you come to Guantanamo you have no memories show you have no knowledge you know you have no emotions you have no any kind of relationship to anyone You know so and at guantanamo also we had no shared life with each other and this is also what challenging you had different languages over 20 languages spoken so started at guantanamo we started constructing a new life now it was like a turning point in our life we started constructing new memories and new knowledge a new experience, a new relationship, you know, uh, and a and, uh, new memory. Uh, memories. Now, everything contribute to the construction of your personality, a way of life, whether you like it or not, because you spent for the like 10 years or 15 years, that's the person who you'll be for the rest of your life. So, and this is what helped us to survive at Guantanamo. It was the knowledge you brought with us, the emotions, the relationship, the memories, the way of life where I came. As a Muslim, we believe in, you know, like, Alhamdulillah, in uh, helping each other, supporting each other. Also, like, as a tribal man, like, we believe in also taking care of, of the, uh, respecting elders, taking care of the uh, the youngers, you know, uh, not to keep silence of any kind of oppression or injustices done there. And Alhamdulillah, this has helped help me uh, and help others to stand, to fight back, to resist, to protest, and to survive. And this all, help to our survivor. but alhamdulillah most of us what our faith as muslims our religion because we believe that everything can handle allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and no one has any control over anything i remember that when the interrogators used to tell me you will never leave here we are going to throw you to the shark in the sea i said "Well, <laughs> okay do, I, I, I like i was like using like simple argument i think do you think uh if if um your your president George w bush Had uh, has a diarrhea. Will he keep can hold his asshole for for not to get out? (laughs) I said no. Yeah, I said okay, then he can have no control. I would like use those simple, you know, uh, examples or simple because he has no control. If he cannot, if he can't sleep for 24 hours, what's going to happen to him? He control. I said, Look, our case, we believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You have no control, you have nothing, and they hate it so much. Imagine someone. Brought you from different parts. kick your ass. Torture you. But i like, no, Allah is in control. I remember like, the first thing when you arrive at Guantanamo, brother, subhanallah, was like, it's a blessing of the religion. All of us were concerned. Where the direction to Makkah to pray. When I told my brothers, I him, subhanallah, it was really intense. Really hard. But our mind was distracted with something else. We didn't live the moment. We're concerned about things that more important with our prayers. Why? Because I think I was I start praying while 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 I was in the tomb of my mother. Because when she pray, I pray with her. Yeah. So when I I don't remember when I start so young I start remember I continue to remember when I start praying. So all of us were like thinking where to pray, where direction to Makkah? All of us want to pray to offer our prayers. Alhamdulillah this also when you look at it it wasn't it takes you from the moment you are in because the moment you are in it was so hard and so difficult because beating tortured in nowhere and yelling shouting in no, no place and you already thinking and i need to pray something took you from that like hmm. just Alhamdulillah. yeah i can see that like I, I i i i noticed that later on Alhamdulillah because imagine you were thinking about the beating you were thinking about the was going you it will break you it, yeah. will, it will break you absolutely because journey for 40 hours beating and nothing think happen happened to you everything like doesn't make an at, at early age but i need to pray because it's the time what time now i need to pray with the, with the direction then <laughs> alhamdulillah we pray <laughs> i watched i tried to make then i get beating the first time like what then we pray then we started like from taking our life from there what i say so i give a lot of details here we're going to take forever to finish but i would like to say guantanamo there's no time limit you know.
0: <laughs> Take as much. Time so, as you
1: need. i think you are going to have like two episodes with this uh, no no it's definitely gonna
0: be two episodes <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be two or three episodes but it's fine so, no problem take your time
1: what i'm telling you brother is that this one they arrive at guantanamo like alhamdulillah when you arrive to go Gu- at guantanamo we come from uh, all of us muslims and our faith that would commit us your our humanity and our faith at the same time so because uh, when when we especially when there was like uh, when they started you know uh, stopping us from praying or marking our adhan or uh, secret our our quran you can see everyone stand everyone because this is this is our faith and this is what connects us when when i was like uh, uh, arguing with the interrogators i took the uh, uh, quran i told them this is not al-qaeda book this is not taliban book this book as muslims we believe that book belongs to all humanity to every human being this is a book for him
0: yeah all right let's take a break and stop it there i hope you were able to benefit a little by learning about brother Mansour's story thus far um, if you'd like to see some of the pictures and memorabilia that Brother Mansour has from Guantanamo, we're going to put it on our Instagram. Feel free to take a look at it there. Stay tuned for part two of this interview right here on The Not Dumb Podcast and The Muslim Life. Thank you so, so much for taking the time to listen. We love you all for the sake of Allah. alaikum. Let me ask you a separate question. I'm going to edit this onto the back end of our interview. Why do you think is it is that the kids that you speak to now aren't as they don't have the same drive that you did. You grew up in a village without electricity and running water, but they can and but you somehow learned to have excellent reading, excellent writing, you can pay attention, you don't need all these different electronical devices. What do you have a theory on why it is like our children? Because I see this in my children. My children didn't have it as rough as I did. Like yeah. you said that they can't spell, they can't write perfect sentences and they don't even really know Arabic. They know it conversationally, but not properly. You know what I mean?
1: You know, kids nowadays take a, a, a school and education as a burden. Yeah. You know, yeah, the products, it's like it's in their mentality. If you take it as a burden, as something you must do and something you hate. Yeah. You won't accept it. You won't be. You won't be good at it. But mm-hmm. for me, when I, re- I remember when I went to school, before I go to school, my my father, my uh, my older brother and sister, they started teaching me at home, read, write, and so on. And I love it. You know. Yeah. At the same time, we had at that time in the nineteen nineties and nineties, we had two uh, type of system uh, education system. One, the one was controlled by the government, and what the uh, the other one was controlled by. Uh, you know the the, uh, the uh, we call we had like an institute and schools mm. the schools was okay but the institute was really good i mean you compare if you graduate from high school student who graduate from uh, an institute as high school equal with their education to one who graduate from university oh wow they have okay intense, intense education and the people who teach to they are very really selected uh, carefully selected as uh, as teacher and were uh, closely monitored. Mm. I remember in, in my areas where my cousins used to study in the school, I used study in, in, uh, in the institute. Mm. Way, way different. So, it is. It is. First of all, start with the family rule, rule in, in the education, the school itself. You know, because if it's not just a job, because when you take those kids, they are free, like, and they like spinach and uh, spin, uh, like spinach. And their minds like like a dog yeah can't they just absorb. It the way you want yeah yes yeah. yeah so and first of all we need to know how to raise the family how to raise kids I, trust me i have for the last five years i have met many many uh fathers and and so on i have like i have also taught some for a few years back when i talked to the parents of the kids You know they don't know what the concept of the family establishing and building the family is the problem here and you know when you interact with this young kid you just it's not just feeding and cleaning no it's more than that you know you you know like you you are i used to tell them look the the, you know the hardest job ever it's motherhood when the mother of the kids because Yeah. yeah because it's not it it required Maintain emotion because engage emotionally, Mm -hmm. physically, mentally, psychologically, because you are dealing with the being human being there. Absolutely. And you have to balance everything with them. If you get upset or angry, that affected. So motherhood is really tough and hard job Mm. for us. Amen. So so uh, uh, to understand how to raise the kid is so important and essential. Now, also commercial uh, came to raise the kids and have the fun. No the most important time or years for the kid at early age they should be well established well educated and well built Absolutely. if you if you don't give them you know strong foundation in this early age from early 2 years until 10 years you know after 13 years you will be out of control trust me uh, i'm so, all,
0: i got teenagers too i know
1: i know yeah, yeah. so and if you have like got a good foundation you will have a good bringing up you have a good generation but i'm not trying to, I, I don't have the education system in the united states but what i see comparing my country at that time compare now when i talk to when i try to talk to uh, my cousins and my family some of my family they cannot express themselves even mm. why because lacking like into the vocabularies lacking like into the education they study it's, it's 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 like garbage trash imagine yeah so that like because there there is no kind of strong foundation and especially now where when we give just our kids access to uh, internet to social media it creates some kind of dissonance you know sometimes like i'm really thinking sometimes to write a book how to live your life just to teach the new, new generation how to live the life because i had one of one of the uh sister called me that her daughter was given a phone without her permission I said no take it absolutely you know, because <laughs> yeah. you you have been a gate to hell you do not you like prepare your your kid or your child for to go to that world because also the environment environment around us whether like uh, friends uh, life uh, school family around it has be it has be like oriented that way mm. it, it especially it will be like tough in that time to really to re- re- raise a uh, good and well-founded uh, uh, kids or uh, yeah. but education is the key you know absolutely is the key so I mean like you can see now we are we are planning for years for our job to fix take care of the car of the phone but that human being who <laughs> live for last 24 hours oh let them let them play let them it's not a play. it should has uh, his life should be organized scheduled and guided, and the way because you had to lead ten years or twelve years. After that, it will be hard. It will be hard to do.
0: So you're gonna be a uh, I, I know you and I were almost the same age, but I know you don't have any kids. But I think you're gonna be an excellent father, and I'll tell you why, because you already know stuff. It took me ten years to figure out. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm actually I'm very serious. Lost my witness a lot. Wallahi, you you you've thought about a lot of these things, and I didn't. I know this stuff now. Because I, I, because I because i've gone through i i know i've made all my mistakes with the kids
1: but you know it is it is simple yeah. for me because i read book about raising family and kids yeah. and life so, and also when i like at guantanamo i wrote a letter to my sister around like 60 pages she was complaining about she had 60 pages it, yeah time. yes yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. because uh, she told me that she has problems raising her kids yeah and you know i wrote really told her about you know how to start and uh, what you what you what should uh, what you should do in order to control her kids and bring them well because in yemen uh you know average family five to ten kids i have like we were like 12 brothers and sisters yeah and that two of them died Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Mm-hmm. so like brother, like if the father will aware and the mother will aware how to, you know, the family, you know, because family life, it's a big responsibility. One of the biggest responsibilities is family life because uh, you take care of your, of your yourself, your wife, your kids and so on. And it's like um, it is, uh, you know, wife and husband completing each other. You know, basically, they need to work in like in that way because it's it's how relationship it is.
0: yeah yeah it's push and pull with my wife i like i push yep. my kids to do more she pulls them back in and give them hugs and everything so yeah it's a balance to that we are here we are